From time to time on Living Truth Radio, we have other pastors who share from the Word of God. And one of the voices that you'll hear from time to time is Pastor Chris Van Hook. Pastor Chris has a great insight into the Word of God. He teaches the Word of God, writes devotions, writes books, and he is going to be teaching us on today's broadcast. So here's Pastor Chris. Tune on in and tell a friend. Welcome to Living Truth Radio, a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship with Pastor Michael Lands. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. And now, here's Pastor Michael. Well, this evening, our message is from Genesis 19. That's where we're at in the Bible right now. So I hope you'd open up your Bible to Genesis chapter 19. And we're going to cover the first 29 verses. I'm going to leave the really hard verses for Pastor Michael. Um, And I'm going to take the easy ones. No, it's not that way. (laughs) The message titled tonight is Raw, Real, and Relevant. And the reason that's the title to the message is because that's exactly what this chapter is. This chapter is raw, this chapter is real, and this chapter is relevant to your life and to my life. And if I was going to give it another R, I would say it's also R-rated. So if you have any younger kids in here, you might want to go ahead and take them to their classroom. Um, Because the Bible is raw and it is real. And it pulls no punches, and it's not going to pull any tonight. So, uh, Genesis chapter 19. Now, if you remember back in chapter 18, Abraham had negotiated with God to spare the city of Sodom if there were at least just ten righteous people. You remember the whole negotiation started out with 50, and and it got negotiated down to ten. But as we're going to see, there were not even ten righteous people in the city of Sodom. So let's pray before we get going any further. Heavenly Father, just thank you for this evening. We thank you for a chance to get into your word. And I pray, God, that you would just speak to your people tonight. Lord, there are so many applications that we can make. Would you just help each one to receive and hear that which they need to hear tonight from your word. In Jesus' name. So verse 1, verse 1 says, The two angels arrived at Sodom in the evening, and Lot was sitting in the gateway of the city. So if you remember back, in the visit to Abraham, there were three angels that came. It says angels slash men. Uh, it spoke of them as men. Uh, and we know that one of them, because of what it says in uh, verse 18, or in 18, verse 1, that the Lord spoke to Abraham. So we believe that was a Christophany. That was sometimes the angel of the Lord is the Lord himself. And so now it says that there are two angels arriving at Sodom. So that means that really the Lord had sent the other two angels ahead to take care of the business that he had given to them, which was going to be executing judgment on Sodom and Gomorrah. Now there's another important piece of information here if we look at it closely. We're told that Lot was sitting in the gateway of the city. So what? Maybe he was just hanging out, you know, got off his skateboard, was having lunch? No. It was supposed to be funny. I don't Okay, whatever. No, sitting in the gateway meant that Lot was a leader of the city, maybe a judge, but certainly at least one of the leaders of the city, and that's what they did. While all the women were doing all the work, by the way, the guys were always sitting at the gateway, you know, chatting back and forth. 
I don't know how great that is. Um, but in any way, he was sitting in the gateway at that point in time. That means that he was immersed in what was going on in that particular city. And he was in the leadership of that city. And yet, this city is so wicked that God has to send his angels to destroy it. So we have to ask ourselves a question. How did Lot get to the place where he could be in leadership in a city that was so wicked? Well, if you remember back in chapter 13, you remember that Lot was given a choice by Abraham of where to pitch his tents. Do you remember that? And Lot, as Pastor Michael had pointed out, should have deferred that choice to his uncle Abraham. That would have been the right and customary thing to do, but Lot didn't do that. He spied out the land and he picked the best portion of what looked the best to him and it happened to be towards Sodom. It was a fertile and lush region and he said, okay, thank you Uncle Abraham, I'm going to take that one. Well, that's mistake number one by Lot and we're going to see several mistakes that he makes. Mistake number two is that he pitched his tents in the cities of the valley as far as Sodom. Now, we don't know exactly what that means, how close how far, but it was definitely towards Sodom. It was in somewhere in the cities of that particular valley. Uh, and he did that even though if we look at chapter 13, verse 13, it tells us that the men there, the men in Sodom, were exceedingly wicked and sinners against the Lord. But Lot pitched his tent toward them. Then if you remember, Lot was captured during a war between several different kings. And here comes good old Uncle Abraham again. Boy, he's a good uncle. He rescued Lot. He brought Lot back with all of his people, all of his possessions. Now, I don't know about you, but I would think that that might have been a good time to reconsider where you were going to pitch your tents. But, mistake number three. It appears that eventually, if not right then, that Lot actually moved into the city. We're not absolutely sure. He could have been very close outside the city, but it appears that he lived actually in the city in spite of the reputation and in spite of what had already happened to him. Now you go, well, what was their reputation? Well, Ezekiel 16, 49, 50. And uh, I have a slide up there, so if you want to write down these references, we don't have to turn to all of them just to... Uh, save a little bit of time. We're going to turn to some. But Ezekiel 16, 49 and 50. Behold, this was the guilt of your sister Sodom. She and her daughters had arrogance, abundant food, and careless ease. But she did not help the poor and needy. Thus they were haughty or prideful and committed abominations before me. Now, so some people say, well, the major sin of, of uh, Sodom was that they didn't help the poor and needy. Well, no, that's part of it. I think it's a result of what was going on in their minds and hearts. Jude 7 says this, Just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them, since they in the same way as these indulged in gross immorality and went after strange flesh. I think these go hand in hand. You see, it says that uh, they had abundant food and careless ease. In other words, life was pretty easy for them. And you know, oftentimes when life is really easy, that's the, t the worst time for us. We can get involved in things that we shouldn't. We have too much free time on our hands. 
and we get involved in what we shouldn't. And obviously that's what was happening here. And as a result of that, they weren't even taking care of the poor and the needy in their city. They were wicked. It was an exceedingly wicked place. So you have to ask yourself the question, what was drawing Lot to this place? Well, we're not told specifically, but it appears, and especially if you look down quickly to verse 19, that Lot preferred the city as opposed to the country for whatever reason. Now that's interesting since he actually had to separate from Abraham because his flocks were getting so big that his men and Abraham's men were fighting over the land and the water. Do you remember that? They couldn't stay together in the same area because he was being so blessed by God and his flocks were multiplying so well. Now, think about that. If he's moving into the city, it's not too likely that he's going to continue in raising those flocks. It's possible, but he probably had something else in mind. So then we ask ourselves the question, well, did he just feel more secure in his city than in the valley? Or was it possible that there was a lot more money to be made in the city of Sodom than what he already had, even though he'd been extremely blessed and was very wealthy at this time? And we think of some places that are pretty wicked and the wealth there. My first thought, of course, was Las Vegas. You know, there's a lot of wealth in Las Vegas, and it's exceedingly wicked. In fact, it's so wicked that they like to celebrate it on TV and tell you how wicked and sinful it really is. There's a lot of wealth. There's also a lot of poverty there. I've done a little, a little bit of homeless ministry there, and there's a lot of poverty there as well. So, those are a couple of the reasons. Another reason you may think is, well, maybe Lot was just attracted to the sin itself and wanted to participate in it. And I would say that's a possibility if all we had was the Old Testament account. But guess what? Turn over to 2 Peter chapter 2. 2 Peter chapter 2. Close towards the end of your, your Bible. 2 Peter 2. Verses 7 and 8. It says this, and if he rescued righteous Lot, oppressed by the sensual conduct of unprincipled men, for by what he saw and heard that righteous man, while living among them, felt his righteous soul tormented day after day by their lawless deeds. So it tells us that Lot was a righteous man, and it tells us that he was tormented by the evil that surrounded him, and yet he stayed in that city. Now, you might ask your question, well, how do we know this, and, and, and why would that? Well, I think we have to assume something. Remember, the Lot had been adopted by Abraham, and Abraham, we know, was considered righteous because of his faith in God. And I think because of that, and because of what we know about Abraham, we have to assume that Abraham taught Lot about Yahweh, about his God. And we'd have to assume that Peter then referred to Lot as righteous for the same reason that the New Testament teaches that Abraham was righteous. Not because of works, but because of faith in God. Abraham believed God. Lot must have believed God 
as well to be righteous. But even though the sin of the men of Sodom was tormenting him, at this point, Lot made mistake number four. He tried to fit into his surroundings. He tried to just fit in, and he became part of all that was going on. As we continue on, it says, When he saw them, these men that came, he got up to meet them, and he bowed down with his face to the ground. Verse 2, My lords, he said, please turn aside to your servant's house. You can wash your feet and spend the night and then go your way early in the morning. No, they answered, we'll spend the night in the square. Verse 3, but he insisted so strongly that they did go with him and entered his house. He prepared a meal for them, baking bread without yeast, and they ate. Now, when we look at this, what this really is, it's a typical negotiation in the Middle East at that time. This was custom that was taking place here. First of all, it was customary for one to offer their home for shelter for the night, protection, uh, and food. That was the customary thing. By the way, it was also customary for the first time for the people to refuse that. And, and you know, if you've ever been over to the Middle East, um, you, they love to negotiate things. They don't like it if you just pay for something. They want you to negotiate. So this was the custom. You offered your, your home and your shelter, and we said, oh, no, 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 no. So that the other person would then insist upon the fact that you come and stay with them and be under their roof. And this is typically what happened, and this is exactly what went on. But I think we see something even more than the normal negotiation here. I think it's pretty certain that even beyond the regular hospitality here, that Lot was concerned about what would happen if these men actually stayed out in the square, on the streets. And notice another thing, if you look back here in verse 2, he says, you can spend the night and then go on your way early in the morning. It was like he's trying to rush them out of there. You know, he's kind of telling them, okay, you can stay overnight, but see you in the morning. I think he's very concerned of what might happen to these men or what they may see in this city. Well, in the next few verses, we're going to see why. Verse 4 says, Before they had gone to bed, all the men from every part of the city of Sodom, both young and old, surrounded the house. They called to Lot, Where are the men who came with you tonight? Bring them out to us so that we can have sex with them. If you wonder why it looks different, it's because I'm reading the NIV so I don't have to translate the translation. What you see here is the evidence of the complete corruption of the city of Sodom here. As the Bible says, it was exceedingly wicked. And I think it's pretty obvious that this must have been a normal procedure. It didn't all of a sudden just happen one time that they decided to do this. That doesn't happen. They Obviously, this was a normal practice for them. Now, in your Bible, it might have said, use the term, uh, know them. And then the translators added in carnally. Know them carnally. Now, the translators did that because they wanted to make sure you understood what was going on. So there wouldn't be any mistake of what was transpiring. Now, unfortunately, some of those, as you might well have known, started in 1950 with the Metropolitan uh, Church. 
Some of those have tried to reinterpret what the Bible says here in order to promote homosexuality as not being wicked and not being a sin. And they have pointed out that the word no in Hebrew here can also be translated as acknowledge, consider, comprehend. And so they would say, see, you know, that, that's not really what it means. It could mean any of those things. And you know what? That's true. But we know that when we're looking at words that are translated differently at different times in the Bible, how do we figure out what it really means? Well, we have to look at the context. The context will determine which one of those translations is correct. So we are going to look at the context. Let's read the next three verses, starting in verse 6. It says, Lot went out to meet them and shut the door behind him and said, No, my friends, or in some translation it even says, No, my brothers. Don't do this wicked thing. Look, I have two daughters who have never slept with a man. Let me bring them out to you and you can do what you like with them. But don't do anything to these men, for they have come under the protection of my roof. All right, and I'm going to ask you, is the context clear enough for you? Lot says, don't do this wicked thing. Now, if they just kind of wanted to get to know them, would Lot say, don't do this wicked thing? I don't think so. It's clear that these men wanted to have homosexual relations with these strangers. So let me just say this, because today we have people trying to redefine things. And I want to make this really, really clear. We must let God's Word define what is good and what is evil, not the world. We must let God's Word define what is right and wrong, not the world. And we must let God's Word define what is truth and what is a lie, not the world. We cannot get caught up just because we want to love people, which we do. And we want to see them come to the Lord, but we cannot let the society define what is good or evil, what is right or wrong, and what is truth and what is a lie. We must define it by God's Word. Amen? Amen. Isaiah 5.20 says this, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil. Woe, so, who, I'm sorry, who substitute darkness for light and light for darkness. Woe to those who call good evil and evil good. That's happening a lot in our world today. And the Bible made it very clear and you can look at the reference up there and write it down. If you read 2 Timothy 2.17 and Romans 1, the Bible makes it very clear that in the last days we will have many people calling good evil and evil good. Now, I want to ask you a question though. Because we get accused in the church of picking on the homosexuals. And I hope some of them are listening to this message tonight because we are not picking on the homosexuals but we will speak the truth of what happened. But I'm going to ask you a question. What if these men had taken Lot up on his offer to take the daughters instead? Would you think of that as less evil? 
I hope not. And I hope if you would, that you would come in and you would speak with me because I think you need a talking to. You see, we're not just picking on one sexual sin. The Bible teaches that any sex outside of the marriage unit, which is between a man and a woman, is sin. Heterosexual, homosexual, it doesn't matter. And God would have condemned the act of taking Lot's daughters just as much as he would have condemned the act of homosexual sex. And we need to make that clear to people. Because we want people to come to Christ and we want them to know the Lord. And we're not picking on any one particular sin. But what this does prove here is that this city was wicked to the core. And Lot, by his compromising, had put himself in a terrible position. In order to keep his reputation as one who honors his guests, as was the custom, he was willing to sacrifice his daughters to these wicked men. And I, I think, and I'm sure you did too, as you read it, how horrible. How horrible. And, and of course, as I was reading it during the week, all I could think about is Corey Nichols up here sharing Sunday morning and what he shared with us. How wicked it can be. And you have to ask yourself the question, why would Lot go this far to protect these men? You know, though this was a custom, did God instruct him to do that? And, you know, I had a little discussion with uh, Dr. Green and Pastor Michael today because I was looking at this and I was saying, well, what did God instruct? You know what, we don't know. Because God's instructions on how, how to treat uh, strangers and aliens didn't come until after the Exodus in a written form at least. So we don't know what verbal instructions God had given up to this point. Or was this just a man-made tradition? And if it was, isn't it like man to take a tradition and take it to the extreme? And even if God had given instructions on how to treat an alien or stranger, I want to ask a question. Did Lot really think that allowing his daughters to be abused by these men would be a more godly thing than giving up to strangers. Now granted, if we were putting it in baseball terms, Lot was in a pickle. He had placed himself between a rock and a hard place, as we say. And it was due at least partially because of his own compromise. He really put himself in a position where there could be no good outcome that he could see. But I want you to notice it as well. You never see Lot here crying out to God for help. Little did he know the help was right standing right next to him that he needed. But he wasn't crying out to God. It shows where his relationship with the Lord was. The Bible says Lot was righteous, but I don't think he was close to the Lord at all. So instead, he willingly offers up his daughters. Did you know that there was one more option according to custom? The one more option was, as a good host, that you would actually fight to the death to protect the people in your home. And Lot could have chosen that option. He could have fought to the death and protect the strangers and his daughters as well. Well, it turns out to be of no consequence because the men don't take him up on the offer. They have in mind what they want to do. Let's go to verse 9. It says, uh, Get out of our way, they replied. And they said, this fellow came here as an alien, that's Lot, 
And now he wants to play the judge, which he already was doing, apparently, by sitting in the city gate. We'll treat you worse than them. They kept bringing pressure on Lot and moved forward to break down the door. But the men inside reached out and pulled Lot back into the house and shut the door. Verse 11, Then they struck the men who were at the door of the house, young and old, with blindness, so that they could not find the door. Now there's a big, very long point of application that I need to make here. Don't mess with God's holy angels. That's it. That's the big long application. Don't mess with God's holy angels. Hello, listening family. This is Pastor Michael Lance. I have the privilege of sitting with Pastor Chris Van Hook, fresh in his Hawaiian shirt today, as usual. Hi, Pastor Chris. Hey, Pastor Michael. Welcome to Living Truth Radio. <laughs> We're glad uh, that we had a chance to air your teaching on Genesis 19. Raw, real, and relevant. Quite a title, but a very apropos title, speaking of the content. And I want, to, I want you guys to know we affectionately call Pastor Chris Coach with affection and respect. This is a very timely section of scripture. It's not an easy section to deal with, but I wanted to ask you just um, a couple of application points as you reflect back on the teaching that you did on that Sunday and think about what you'd like to say to our listening audience. I know you had a couple of thoughts. What would you say some application points? This particular chapter is so raw, as you were saying. There's, there's so many things in here. If you were trying to present uh, a religion on its best side, you certainly wouldn't put this chapter in there, but it is raw and it's real. And that's the, the Bible is always real to us. We see real stories of real people with human frailties uh, that make a lot of mistakes. And lastly, in this particular book, all of this is very relevant. Uh, I, I remember as, as I was teaching that particular uh, chapter, uh, how many relevant applications there are to our lives uh, in today's world. And Coach, the subject matter, of course, is well known. And we're dealing, you know, one of the topics in that chapter is homosexuality. And we're not going to reteach the teaching here. But but I know Lot is a big focus of the chapter and kind of how Lot makes some mistakes in navigating his life. He is called a righteous man, as we talked about before we went on air in the New Testament. And yet he did make some blunders and it affected not only him, but the ones that he is supposed to lead and love the most. Yeah, one of the most important parts of this particular chapter is to watch the progressive compromise that Lot made when he moved closer and closer to the city that he knew there were a lot of issues with and eventually actually became part of the city and probably part of the city government. And indeed, uh, compromise after compromise not only compromises you, but it'll always compromise all of those around you and especially your family. And so as we go through that particular chapter, we see how Lot's compromises affected all of his family. Thank you for listening to today's program. If you'd like to listen to this message again, Learn more about our church in Corona, or to access archived messages, go to livingtruthradio.org and click on the Church tab. You can follow us on Instagram, at livingtruthcorona, or download the Living Truth Christian Fellowship app on Apple and Android devices. Living Truth Radio is a listener-supported ministry. You can partner with us by donating at livingtruthradio.org.